of God is flawless. He is a shield to those who take refuge in him. Do not add to his words, or he will rebuke you and prove you a liar. From Proverbs 30. To the law and to the testimony. If they do not speak according to this word, they have no light of dawn. Isaiah 8.20. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. From 2 Timothy So fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Deuteronomy 11. Hey, welcome to Standing in Faith. My name is Kat and I'm in the studio with Jeff. Hey. John. Hey. And David. Hi. The greatest commandment is love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind. And so I was thinking about that one day a while ago and thinking about how love for God is tied to my knowledge of God, just like love for my husband is tied to my knowledge of my husband. If I barely knew him, I would love him less. And so I thought about all the different ways, like, well, how is it that we can know God more and love him more? So there's creation, the heavens declare the majesty. Um, there's prayer, and there's, you know, just encounters with God, prayer with him. And then there's scripture, there's his word, which is, that's like a really abundant, reliable source. So, but a lot of people either discount that or they're just not interested or they don't even believe it really is true or it is a treasure so one of the 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 compelling reasons for doing this little mini series on the bible for me was a barna survey that i read and and he had he along with the american bible society have been doing um surveys on the state of the bible now for decades and their most recent survey was a um yeah, it was kind of a, a a big big moment because for the first time, the evangelicals, which I would consider myself to be an evangelical, the evangelicals, forty nine percent, believed that the Bible was um, true, accurate, inspired Word of God. Forty nine percent. In other words, for the first time, more evangelicals um, believed that the Bible might not be inspired and it might not be true and it might not be then. It was the first time in all the years that they've been doing the survey that that this the evangelical group went that way. Wow. Um, and the evangelical group is traditionally the group that they surveyed that did believe the majority believed now now i guess i find myself in a minority which kind of i say it compelled me it it got me thinking right and i'd like to be able to i'd like to be able to defend why i believe what i believe and be able to i don't want to be a debater but i would like to be able to articulate why i believe what i believe and why i do believe the bible 
I am one of those 49, I guess, <laughs> that does believe that the Bible is inspired, it's true, it's the Word of God. Um, so, yeah, I've I invited John to be a part of this um, because I respect him a lot. And, John, we didn't – we tell the listeners a little bit about yourself. What What is it that – that gives you some some uh, chutzpah or some authority Chop, here. Chops. Yeah. <laughs> Chop. Well, thanks, Jeff. Um, I, I'm a lay apologist, which means that I have uh, spent time over the past decade understanding what I believe and why I believe it so that I can adhere to how many – how many thousands of commands are there you've been preaching on in the New Testament, David? About 2,000. About 2,000. Well, one of them uh, is Peter's admonition to the church in his letter to them in First Peter, where he said, In your hearts, honor Christ the Lord is holy, always being prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that is in you. Yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience so that when you are slandered, those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for doing good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. So that's a little Bible verse, quote-unquote, to answer your question. We're, we're commanded, if you will, uh, we're instructed to be prepared to answer those who would question our faith. We are to be prepared to give a defense, and that's what apologetics is, being prepared to give a defense, to understand, to know what we believe and why we believe it. And we believe that the Bible is an authoritative word in everything that it speaks to. So I want to kind of encourage the listeners, um, if you have questions— Please, please, I'll put a, an email address in the description for this. S send us your, your questions. Um, and if I can figure out how to do some polls, I might actually poll some of the listeners so we can see what our listeners think. Mm, yeah. Um, some of these same Barna questions and ideas that we'll talk through um, based on the Barna survey. Let's Let's have a little fun with the listeners and see if... We'll see if they can get the, the, the yeah the the questions before we hit them, so that they don't have all the answers before they ask the questions. So I, I'll see if I can't figure that out, um, because that might be a little bit of fun, a way to get some feedback in addition. Um, but yeah, email us your if you have a specific question that you have about the Bible. Um, I guess the context here is. Um, and, and we're going to go through a bunch of different episodes, but I, I'd love to do an episode on the history of the Bible. I mean, the Bible has a lot of history in there, and um, how does that match up with other historical records? Even just the New Testament, I've heard there's over 6,000 manuscripts or portions of just the New Testament. And if you compare that to other books you know, like the Iliad, the Odyssey, like those types, like the number of manuscripts is like abysmally low compared to the Bible. Tens or scores, yeah. not hundreds or thousands. And yet we 
we treat them as reliable. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. I had a when you talk about about that, I had a Hebrew professor who was brilliant, brilliant guy. He uh, knew twenty six different Semitic languages, all this stuff, and he was a believer, but he he didn't necessarily you know believe like in the miracles. There was a whole school of thought that went through there. It's interesting about Christian thought, John. You mentioned that to me the other day. Just popping, nobody knows what I'm talking about, but you might you could bring it up. Um, but I thought about this guy and probably how he was influenced in that. But the one thing he said that really impressed me, he says, you know, I may not believe, I may be someone that doesn't believe in miracles and all that. He says, but if there's any miracle at all, he says, it's how this Bible has been preserved for centuries. Yeah. And is what it is today. He was, and how accurate it is. And he made that statement, and I always thought, that's really good, coming from someone like that. Yeah, yeah. The, If you want me to cite the reference that I was talking about, David and I were talking the other day, and there's a 1964 book called The Christian Mind. Uh, it's written by a fellow named Harry Blamiris, and the first sentence in it is, there is no such thing as a Christian mind. And what his thesis is is that we no longer look at the world Christianly. We uh, we've let we've we're swimming in a culture that's post-Christian or a cut flower culture that uh, is thrives because of the the Judeo-Christian principles that underpin it, but we don't as a culture believe it anymore. And and unfortunately, we Christians have been swept along by that, mm-hmm. and don't even realize it. It's those things that are taken for granted that uh, come up and bite you yeah. in the hind parts. Yeah, our culture has. Um, it's part of one of the one of the philosophies of our culture, American culture today, is that there is no big grand narrative. You know, which is what the Bible presents. This is a cohesive story of God creating us, you know, losing us, redeeming us, like, you know, all the whole thing. And and that's just something that most people today just believe there's just all sorts of truths, not just one truth. And I'm sure we'll look at it, but, um, you know, there's a golden thread from in the beginning to even so, come, Lord Jesus, in Revelation from mm-hmm. Genesis. There's this golden thread of the beautiful grace of God and God's salvation plan, all written through it. Mm-hmm. Every book. I was even impressed one time. I I heard Oral Roberts preach years and years ago, and he preached on the fourth man, and that was about the fourth man and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. There's a fourth mm-hmm. man in the fire, and he he went through and he started in Genesis and he went through every book of the Bible and pointed out Jesus in mm-hmm. every book of the Bible in an oppressive way. Yeah. Um, you know, and so it, it, it is amazing. Uh, oh, and I'll tell you someone else. Some of you may not have know who Derek Prince is, but Derek Prince was a, um, um, a logician. He got his PhD in 
PhD in logistics, <laughs> blah, blah, blah. and he um, from Cambridge. And when then the Second World War came, he was in the war. He got sick. He was in a, a field hospital for three months, and he was bored, so he started reading the Bible. And of course, it ultimately led him to become a believer. He was well, in a field hospital in Israel. Yeah. Oh wow. Yeah. Right. And so what what impressed him though. More than anything else, he said, how logical the Bible is. Yes. And this is a logician talking about a PhD in logistic in, in, in logic. logic. And and he said how logical the Bible is. So I always <laughs> thought that was a an impressive mm-hmm. thought. I wanna I wanna talk about different ideas with the Bible, right? So for instance, um, I want to do a, an episode on the the authors and the books and the canonization of the the current Bible that most of us are familiar with. Um, why is that the way that it is? Um, and what's the idea of the apocrypha? And right, how, how come some Bibles have it and some don't? And right, so I I would like to kind of do an episode just on that that idea about the structure of the Bible. The quick way of saying, and it, it, I don't think it diminishes as much, but Kat said it, uh, the grand narrative, the grand sweep of the Bible, and that golden thread is, is God's creation of all existence, then man's fall, our rebellion, our redemption through Jesus, and then our purpose, uh, restoration, and, and our role in that. And... Uh, Jeff, you've talked about how only forty nine percent believe that it's even true. Cat, earlier we were you were sharing a, a, some recent archaeological finds on Nineveh, and we'll get into archaeology in another episode. Yeah. Does anybody hear a theme here? <laughs> uh, but uh, and I'd love for you to to tell that. But uh, part of our problem, and I think why we don't we don't take we don't trust it or we don't believe it or we're not sure is because it's been presented to us as in in elementary school and in Sunday school as a bunch of little isolated stories. Mm-hmm. Jonah and the whale didn't want to go to Nineveh. David and Goliath, Samson and Delilah, et cetera, et cetera. Instead of understanding the golden thread, mm-hmm. uh, instead of understanding that it's an incredible narrative, that's uh that unfortunately much of our culture dismisses because their their uh, their authority we believe that the bible is authoritative in everything that it speaks to which is pretty much everything but uh, in years past in our culture that authority has been reason this thing called the enlightenment which turned out not to be so enlightening and today it's uh uh, feelings. Mm-hmm. Uh, if I don't, if it doesn't align with the way I feel, then it must not be true. Uh, we try to adjust reality uh, for what I'm feeling, and just because I feel like a cat doesn't mean I am one, right, cat? Yeah. Oh, wait, <laughs> wait, cats. A, cat is one. <laughs> yeah, the, the human heart 
obeys what it desires. So if you just desire, I just want good feelings, you know, you're just going to be mm-hmm. like blown around by every wind of doctrine and you're just going to be unstable. Oh, then wait, you, the Bible speaks to that. Hmm. <laughs> and, it's de- it, it, and, and it also talks about how deceptive the heart is. Yes. And I think that's one of the key things here is mm-hmm. to realize that we're all deceived just how much. You know, if we don't have a Christian mind, that that whole thought, <clears throat> then where have we been deceived? Exactly. In, in what ways? Mm-hmm. And that's why it's so important, I think, to to really begin. Uh, what we're doing now with this whole Bible approach is, is you know, looking at all that. Yeah, Peter said when we lived in ignorance, our desires were evil. So yeah. we don't want to live in ignorance. We don't want to have evil desires you know, we don't want the sinful, sinful desires wage war against our soul. So nobody wants that. We all want to be a workman approved by God. The Nineveh thing was um, a few weeks ago, I was reading the book of Nahum, which is a prophecy about the destruction of Nineveh. And after I read it, I just thought, oh, I wonder when this was fulfilled. Like, when was this fulfilled? So I just looked it up on my phone. And at the time, it was after midnight. Uh, and it said, they extrapolated it to our dating system, and it said August 10th, 612 B.C. And I was like, August 10th? Well, what's today? You know, and I looked, and it was August 10th, and I was like, that's today. And I was even thinking about the time zones of the Earth, and I was like, that's like right now. And here I am, uh, all the way on the other side of the ocean, like, you know, thousands of years later, this little, like, white girl in my bed, you know, reading about the destruction of this great city and civilization. And um, anyway, but reading more about Nineveh and just doing a little bit of, you know, research, um, for many years, they didn't, people didn't even think Nineveh even had existed. They just thought, like, it didn't even exist because there was no archaeological evidence. There was no—you know, they didn't—the city was buried, you know, and that was even in the prophecy that that it would be hidden. And then one day, some archaeologist starts uncovering, and then here's Nineveh. It was true all along. And now we don't even think of it, you know, but the Nineveh that was in the Bible was a real place, and it was destroyed just like God said it would be. Despite skeptics using its non-existence, quote-unquote, as— quote, proof that the Bible was just fairy tales and legends. Mm -hmm. just made-up stories. Made-up stories. Yeah, and I think what's important is that um, we understand that that golden thread that we talked about earlier with the Bible is, is really God's heart to us. I think we have to look at the Bible and realize that that this is God's love letter to us, that it's not just a book of laws and rules, but, uh, but God's love letter to us and, and where God's ultimate design to bring us back into to his, his, his wonderful design, which is a design of healing and relationship, all of that, mm-hmm. that, that to me is so powerful and beautiful when, when we're looking and studying and reading the Word of God. I kind of would love to do an episode on the translations. Mm -hmm. There's so many translations available in English right now. Um, And, uh, yeah, they're they're worded differently. Um, So I'd like to dig into that subject on the different translations and the different types of translation. I think that would be helpful 
so that everybody could understand, including me, that I can learn more about what they all are about. Also super interested in doing an episode on Old Testament, New Testament, and potential differences between them. Why two testaments? <laughs> sure. Sure. I've even heard some discussion nowadays about calling it the original testament instead of the Old Testament because the Old Testament sounds old and irrelevant. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's all old and irrelevant, isn't it? <laughs> some well, would say. According to 51% of evangelicals, I guess. It? <laughs> well, that's just, I, you know, I keep going back to that. That's, yeah. that's eye opener because you've been kind of. You guys have all been talking about it. We just haven't said it, right? And you've been talking about what's a, a worldview, right, and how we view and process our world. Um, and John kind of mentioned it. And to what authority do you attest to? And and me personally, I have a biblical world. I'd like to, I'd like to have a stronger biblical worldview, and I'd like the Bible to be my authority. And I'd like to be able to articulate why. Yeah. Yeah. I, I would like to be like that, too. I would like to be one of those people that helps move that statistic a little more in the right direction. Let's bless the listeners. Lord, in Jesus' name, I bless those that are listening today, even us as we're here, that you would give us a greater, more powerful understanding of your heart and the word of God and how powerful it's, it, it speaks into our lives, that you would bless us with a biblical worldview, that we can see the world through those glasses that, that expose the beauty of your design. Speaking in chapter 15, Jeremiah said, when your words came, I ate them. They were my joy and my heart's delight, for I bear your name, O Lord God Almighty. So God, give us a delight. Give us a desire to eat your words and give us the ability to delight in them. Bless us and the listeners with faith in you. Holy Spirit, bless us with a hunger for the word and hunger for truth. Bless us with inspiration and revelation. Bless us with, with your power, your presence, your intimacy as we dig into the scriptures. Father God, I would ask that our listeners as uh, we walk through this series together would have uh, a renewed and increased confidence in uh, their understanding of and knowledge and love for you through a, a, an evidence-based knowledge that the Bible is reliable, that we can understand and know it as your love letter to us, as your written word, chief among the ways that you speak to us. And then out of that would come a boldness to proclaim the good news of your kingdom to those around them. And amen. 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 amen.